0: This is Plus Money Golf on the Patriot Sports Network,
1: a golf betting podcast that's better than most, what he said. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most!
0: And now, here are your hosts, Adam, Smitty, and Eric. Good morning. Welcome to Plus Money Golf on the Patriot Sports Network, the show with the pro and the caddy. That would be Adam and Smitty. My name is Eric. I'm just the host. Big episode tonight, boys. We've got Adam here, Smitty here, Chris over there john's dropping in we've got the 122nd u.s open to preview which no offense to canada but the canadian open doesn't get the blood flowing like this one does this year they're playing at the country club in Brookline, massachusetts founded in 1882 it's hosted the open three times before and presents a unique challenge to the world's best not only that we've got a guest tonight as well joining us for this one is taylor artman who is taylor artman well, if you check out his Instagram at OKCTA23, you'll see he's a pro golfer, as well as the CEO and founder of Surf and Turf Golf for all your quality golf apparel needs from course to coast. I feel like etiquette states we say hello to our guest first, then we'll get to Adam and Smitty. Taylor, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on.
1: Adam, how are you doing this this evening? Good. Just been watching the live from the U.S. Open coverage the last two days pretty interesting interviews with some of the players so obviously with phil's interview it was quite interesting and then get into the other of the true pga tour guys how they just are tired of talking about live so
0: yeah it's a bit of a circus out there we'll get to that too we got to touch on the live uh but first
2: smitty let's check in with you you've been uh you've been busy today how are you hanging Yeah, hey, you know i'm doing good man uh, i'm excited to be down Down in my little uh, den down here in my basement, uh, ready to talk some golf. It's been a long day, long week so far. Over 100 youth kids I've been dealing with. Oh, that's no big deal, huh? (laughs) Nah. (laughs) That'll wear you out. Yeah, it definitely does, but it's, uh, it's all good. It's all in good fun, man. I wouldn't do it unless I loved it, right? Absolutely.
0: That's what I was telling Chris. We need the Smitties of the world. We got a whole generation of kids that need sports. We needed we need guys like you who love sports and love to impress that upon the youth. John, how you doing? You're stopping in to talk some golf this evening. I'm good. I too have been watching live from the US Open.
3: Which compelled me to want to join and listen tonight uh there's a lot of opinions being
0: thrown around in golf, and I want to hear some of the best, so that's why I thought I'd drop you in. hear that Chris our golf show is sweeping the nation that's what it sounds like. people are clamoring to be on it well uh before we get into the u s open let's uh let's get some takeaways from the Canadian open and then we'll get into get into how you guys are feeling about the live Adam, how's our spreadsheet doing and uh and what do you think of the Canadian? The Canadian was awesome, I thought. They really showcased
1: on the last day. I mean, it was so good to watch, like with Rory, JT, and Tony in that last group. And then they're both just going at it. And then also we had Justin Rose on 58 watch for quite a while. And then it went to 59 and then caught a flyer lie. And then it went to 60 watch. So it was really good. Obviously, you know, we had Rory as one of our top five picks last week, as well as Justin Rose and Finau in the top 10. So worked out well. And then Patrick Rogers slid in at the very last minute for a top 20. So it was a pretty good week. And I also loved my triple bet of Scotty, JT, and Rory at plus 180. So that
0: helped out a little too. Plus 180. That's 1.8 times my money. I like that. I like that a lot. Staying profitable. Smitty, what'd you think of the uh, Canadian Open?
2: Man, that was some great golf, especially on Sunday. You couldn't ask for a better Sunday at golf. Like, this, there's so many guys playing really great golf. I mean, you talked to Rory afterwards, you know, they're, they're interviewing him and he was just speaking on the quality of golf that was going on out there. He's like, and the fact that, the fact that he, he won. I mean, yeah, he shot a 62, but man, like there's a 60 out there. There's other There's another 62. There's two 64s like on Sunday. I mean, it was crazy. Guys were just throwing darts out there. And then, you know, you watch, Justin Rose and what he was doing, he was knocking in some long putts, too, man. He was feeling it on the greens. And that, that was a lot of fun. They had three bogeys, too. That was yeah. what was crazy about the round. Absolutely insane. Like, yeah, I shot a 60, but had three bogeys. What? Who does that?
0: There was some streaky golf going on. I love that course. It just cinematography wise, it's a beautiful course to watch. Taylor, let's get your thoughts. Let's get the let's get another pro's thoughts. Have you ever played up there? Number one and number two, what do you think of the weekend?
4: I had, I believe that the RBCs in Toronto, right? Uh, I have not Ontario, played, okay, um, but I did play PGA Tour Canada. So I was up there for a year uh, or well a season, um, and so I'm familiar with the golf up there. It's beautiful courses, very green, great shape. Um, yeah, I, I like Canada golf. So it was it was. It was, um, you know, pretty cool experience. I've not played that course or been to that side of the Great Lakes, but I think that this week was a big week for the PGA tour to have all those stars duke it out, do low numbers. Um, I think that was, that was big, especially now you got Scheffler obviously playing great. JT just won the PGA. Rory just won the week before the U.S. Open. I think it couldn't be, um, put together better, uh, going into this week.
0: Checking out your Instagram, looking at some of your stuff. First of all, high quality clothes. Go check out um, Surf and Turf; that stuff is awesome. I love the flag sticking through the through the surfboard. But I also saw some videos of you giving some commentary on live. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Where do you think it's going? How many more guys are they going to gobble up? How are these guys going to be received uh, at the U.S. Open by the press and the fans? Do you think?
4: Um, that's you know, I've had some time to think about it. And I think there's a lot of fear in golf right now and driven through live is really showing it. Uh, I think that the PGA tour is uh, obviously vulnerable and it's refusal to change in some ways. Um, But then also I think it's kind of unfair how they're, how we're treating, I think as a fan base, right. And community, the players that are going there. Um, But I think those players need to be fair and admit why they're there. (laughs) And so, um, I've got mixed emotions on it. I, I, they're all about, they seem to be about growing the game and getting it inclusive and, um, only having 48 person fields, which it's part of like their whole mission and, and branding statement, right? Is 54 holes, 48 players. I don't see how that, um, opens up the doors for new players. So I'm eager to see how that pans out. Cause you, like we were talking earlier, now the Patrick Reed, uh, Pat Perez, and Bryson come over, three guys are out, so where do those guys stand now? I mean, are they just they just kick rocks or what? um you just were the founding players, if you will, to this new movement, and now i I would probably assume that they're not going to be invited back
2: well isn't there isn't there something to do like with a draft every every week then too so I mean technically, couldn't those guys that aren't in one week be in the next event?
1: I'm
4: unsure. Do you guys know
1: that's true. I think they draft on the day before the event, like for their little.
2: For their so the guys that are in, you're saying, yeah. Then they draft yeah. the teams. That's how it works. So, yeah, so I
1: guess we'll find out how many friends P. Reed and D. Shambo actually have out there on tour.
2: But I just wonder if like those guys that don't get in one week or something. I mean, they're going to have to do something. like you said, Taylor. That's that's interesting, right? If you get over that 48 threshold, because if a guy like places last and shoots absolutely horrific, I mean what are they going to do with that guy? Let him in the next event? Maybe they like, all right, we're going to bring this guy in this event and see what happens.
4: Right. so I'm just eager to see how those players get treated. Um, and then also how the, does the PGA tour or the DP world tour, is there not a place for them to play anymore? Is there like, maybe do they kind of take it easy on them because they were not, I don't know, given a fair shake, I guess, if you will. Um, I don't know. I'd be eager to see because the, the money obviously makes sense. And if so, if you're joining that tour for money, I totally get it. Or the league, I don't, I don't even know what we call it. And so um, now you just got your 200 grand, let's say, or whatever it was. I don't, I'm certain that the three guys that get booted out didn't get hundred million to join. And so um, <laughs> they're, they could be actually financially hurt for the year by taking the money decision, if you will. If they don't have a place it's
0: possible these guys burned their bridge with the PGA and then got the boot from the Live. They're the odd man, like golfer without country. Maybe you've got your one hundred and fifty dollars purse. I assume the odd man out here, they're not going to get the guaranteed hundred and fifty thousand, right? If they kick them out, like
1: the more players, they, they can't add more teams to their league cause it destroys the whole structure of their league and it just makes it like, oh well, let's just add this and add this, and it's all of a sudden there. It's like you you. Ha- If you're wanting to have like this round robin tour championship bracket style, like you can only have so many teams. And if all of a sudden they just start adding and adding and adding, like, you know, it gets, I would think it would water down their league so much that it wouldn't even be worth watching. Like I didn't think it was worth watching anyways, but the coverage wasn't great of it. Did you But yeah, you couldn't find the leaderboard anywhere. No, I didn't like the coverage that much. I actually like, I couldn't find the leaderboard first off. You had to go online and watch the, to even see this coverage. I wish they would have showed more action, I guess. That's probably the only downside to the to the shotgun start is that you you've got
2: eighteen shots going on at one time, so you're missing some of that highlight real stuff. It is crazy though, like you want to get back to that money situation with all right, think about Schwartzel won four million dollars, right? For winning for winning the tournament. Yeah. Okay. Um That it's a lot of money. You look at last year, John Rahm, U.S. Open winner. What did he get? Two point two five million. What Taylor said before is interesting, right? Is like if they're doing it for the money, like that's their own prerogative, right? That's their choice. But at the same time, their unwillingness to admit that's why they're doing it, right? Like, hey, yeah, I'm here for the money. And you can't fault guys for wanting to make a living and make as much money as they possibly can right now. They don't know what's going to happen in their career in the near future. And like I'm, I'm kind of the same way too. You know, as I had, there's a lot of positives and negatives to this whole thing. And I, I'd really like to kind of see it play out a little bit to see where where they're headed and what they are doing. But I just wish they were a little bit more open about why they're going. And then you know, when they're interviewed about things like not being so business mentality about it. There's a lot of defensiveness on all
4: of yeah you can see it in different ways right there's deflection from the players uh, which there's no shame in taking the money uh, like and, uh, and I'll be careful what I say or to make sure it's not taken out of context but I know players on, on both sides of the fence and I know uh, I'd like to think that I know why they be- began playing the game and then what they hope to get out of their careers ultimately I think is impact and so there's the argument okay well if you're gonna make five times more money, then you can probably make five times more impact if you, if that's your purpose money is, you know, if you want to save the trees, uh, the best way to do that is to be able to buy a forest. Right.
3: And that's Bryson's argument, right? Which I, that's where Bryson was saying. and I like that. Yeah. Deshambo has this big vision for like a Dallas studio and, and, and putting a whole like school together, which I get.
4: And there's no doubt too. There's an appeal that it's new and fresh. And so if you're part of it, but my, I guess my fear for those players, knowing that they're not bad guys, you know, we're trying to paint them in different ways, and everybody's got, every player's their own individual, so I, I don't like lumping them together, and I could and I tell when, like, Justin Thomas says things like, it's sad, right? I think he's got friends on that side, and, and he's trying not to paint with a broad brush as well, and I don't think we need to do that, but the business model for the live doesn't make sense to me. And so, like, um, you're, they're like, it's like the definition of buying your friends, uh, in my opinion. Um, and, and it seems like it's dr- driven from some sort of vendetta toward the PGA Tour, and I can't figure out why. And so, um, because of their model, which I think is actually appealing, it, if it was truly that appealing, there's so much room for it. And if it was built with, like, a capitalist mindset of driving profit and growing the game, then they would work with the PGA Tour and DP World Tour. But they seem to be dri- driving the initial wedge of we're going to overtake it. And then the, you can tell the defensiveness with the PGA Tour and DP Tour. They're defensive, and I can tell, that, you know, they were too late on the FedEx Cup. They're too late on the player uh, incentive program, whatever whatever it's called. Um, and now they're too late on the change of offering some sort of variation in format. And so I think they're getting defensive there, right? So they're making people pick one way or the other. And so I'm eager to see what live does in the PGA tour because the live model doesn't make sense. If you're trying to grow it, if you're capping it at 48 players and paying them all hundred million, then how is there, how do you get onto the live if you're not one of the selected?
0: Is the live in your opinion,
4: well thought out? I think the format is very cool um, and needed actually. Um, but I, but it doesn't make sense. I, I, I still, you can tell the business model is not thought out and it's a, a little bit of a um, I, I don't know, uh, kind of quickly created thing because I can't find out the rules or like the team or like the vision of the, you know what I mean, in detail. And so if they're changing teams every week and if I wanted to be a fan of the the Niblix or the South African team or whatever and you're changing teams every week, that doesn't make sense. How can I become a fan of that team name you created? Um, and if it's just I'm a fan of this captain, I guess I, I could do that, right? But um, if you're going to form little franchises or dynasties or whatever teams you'd think it'd be consistent. And so I'm
1: confused on how that works. They've got to work out the kinks on the, obviously it was the first event. So, you know, there's tons of issues. It's just like anybody that's run a tournament, like the first one's always going to be a mess. So maybe they get some of this worked out by event two or three, like how to stream it better, like how to post your leaderboard online so people can easily access it. Just different things like that.
2: Right. Well, are they trying to be like other sports, right? Like, you you know, Taylor mentioned the, oh, the super teams and stuff. And are they trying to brand it in a way where it's like, all right, yeah, we have our, we have our captains, we have our, you know, our superstars and we're going to build off of those guys and those types of things. Right. And that's why they have the teams and everything. Is that, is that what they're trying to do is, I mean, they think they're doing a good job of creating drama just like in other sports. Right. And like this quote unquote, perfect little world of golf, right. Where there's not all that. Um, hatred for oh we hate we hate this team in this sport because of this reason like there isn't that necessarily in golf because every week there's a new story on who is the favorite right and who is supposed to play well at this course and then people cheer for that guy right like and now there's now there's this other spinoff to it with the live and it's creating this drama between the live and the pga but then like you said too like you guys said too is this the the format of the live and trying to figure it all out right and people are trying to like i don't really know where i'm supposed to go as a fan
4: exactly I, i i think that they're internally asking themselves what are we are we a team format are we a glorified wgc event with this team aspect on the side i think they need to figure that out um but they need to work with the pga tour and dp world tour i think that there's room there because it is an alternative way of viewing and playing um uh, the the shotgun start has pros and cons i think it's obviously (laughs) i mean it was kind of nice actually the other day that i could sit down and watch like the entire golf tournament in like three hours and not yeah that's true and you really you knew when the end was there, who was there. I didn't have to wait two hours for the leaders or whatever. Um, although there is some, I, I still am confused. So you have the grandstands on eighteen, so if somebody comes from four groups back, are you, like all the traumas on fourteen, and there's just like two marshals out there or something. So um, yeah, I, I'm eager to see what happens there. But uh, they need to figure out their identity of what it is. But I think it'll be hard. One, if you're not going to create a team appeal through consistent teams, and then if you're going to have this 48 best players, let's just say they got the 48 best players in the world. Well, and you include guys like, uh, you know, McDowell or Poulter, well, time is against them. So as they phase out, who do they bring in? And then you're going to need those other tours to establish who the 48 best players in the world are at all times, right? And so if you're eliminating these guys and they're not paying, playing against the other guys, you don't know who you're over time you're going to lose track of who's, who's actually better than who.
1: Yeah. It would have been nice like to see the team stay consistent, just then they can create like grouping, but they could have worked with both tours and made it to where like the deep, the live tour is more like the WGC events where maybe they're opposite the John Deere. Maybe they're opposite of some of these smaller events where these guys could go play. and it's you know, helping the live tour, but then it's also helping these, you know, the up and coming guys get into these tour events. Cause those top 10 or 15 in the world, aren't there, you know, playing against them. But I think they all kind of, it clearly looks like somebody's out to get the tour in my perspective, but I would have liked to have seen them work all together where it could have been world golf rankings. They could have done it, like basically replaced the WGC events. If those should ever go away with the live tour events. Cause to me, the WGC events are kind of like this where it's only the certain players get to play in them. So I would, it would have been nice to see him work and like maybe do the opposite tour events to
0: give more of these web guys a chance to get out on tour and maybe earn a win too. Yeah. A little less animosity, a little more iron sharpens iron type situation.
4: Exactly. Like it'd be interesting to me if you had 10 person teams So you have – and so ironically, there's 125 cards on the PGA Tour and – or if it's a WGC field or whatever, every team has got 10 players and it's consistent for that year. That's the team, and they're all driven by these initial captains. I think it would be great. And they just pick a starting four every week, and it's like spread out throughout the year. And so it's like, oh, did you see, you know, the South African team? They picked up, uh, you know, a guy from, you know, Australia or whatever, or it's not, they broke their mold or whatever, or, Oh, Gucci's is going to start so-and-so over his other, you know, star because the course fits. I think that that would be a.
1: Yeah. If they would have in groups of 10 like that, it would have been cool. Cause you could have like, if you're going to a Lynx course, maybe you play certain guys that play well or you're going to Aaron Hills or you're going to Torrey, then, you know, guys statistically don't play well there. So, or on the West coast, you just pick the West coast guys and then, you know, it lets them spread out and then, these guys aren't having to commit to full, you know, like playing every single week. But I, that would have been cool if they did it like that. Then it would have been a good merchandise opportunity for everybody because you got people out on the course at the regular tour events wearing like, you know, the fireball shirt or whatever it is.
0: It took right. you guys all of 15 minutes to come up with a better idea.
2: <laughs> yeah, the problem is, is we don't have hundreds of millions of dollars. So <sighs> We will. Yeah, right. We will. If Adam keeps giving us winners, that's my segue. You like that? But I don't think I'm going to be spending it on I don't think I'm going to be spending it on other people though. I might spend it on myself.
3: That was such a live tour comment. <laughs> <laughs> the
4: money the guys are making, a question that I would ask would be, you know, kind of along the premise of remembering why you started, is if if they play live forever and never play the PGA tour and things, is their impact within the game of golf? I think Rory's made some good statements lately. Um, But also, like, how much would they have taken to never play again?
1: Yeah, that's true.
4: You just never play golf again? I mean, I don't... And I'm wondering... That's where the fear comes in from the Saudis, in my opinion, is if their format and everything was that great, you wouldn't have to, like, 100x up the purse to get people to come play. You would just make a model that works. Methinks the live goth
1: protests too much. How much did Anthony Kim, like... I mean, it's like him. He's gotten, what, a $20 million contract and never play again just because he got injured? It's like kind of the similar situation. Right. Like that dude would be awesome on that tour. Because
4: when it's all about the money, I'd be certain that all those guys would go play the Masters for free every year. No purse, just for the Green jacket. For sure. They don't need a dime. Yeah,
2: you'd have a full field. Um,
4: and nobody <laughs> You know,
2: we all... Right, simply because of the history of the course and what the event's done. Yeah.
4: Exactly. Absolutely. So yeah. over time, you know, if you go back to the nineteen fifties when uh, guys are making twenty thousand dollars or what I don't even think it might be less than that, right? Okay, well want to make that two hundred thousand, it changes nothing. So in fifty years from now, and you look back, it's like, Man, those guys there's no record books of it or anything. I think you're gonna look back on the intrinsic value will outweigh the extrinsic,
2: in my opinion. I would agree one hundred percent.
1: Yeah, and I think uh was a John Rahm said it perfect when he said when you win Jack's tournament it means something. When you win Arnold's tournament, it means something. Like what if you win a live event like nobody knows about that event? You won live event number one. You never won, you know, an event that has historic value, names on the trophies, stuff that means stuff. Like especially when we're playing this week at an event that's basically started American golf with Francis we met winning that US Open. It's kind of something like that that means something like that guy played in it as an amateur and won the U S open. Like nowadays that would have been a made his career, made his life. But you know, he made a made $0 on the thing.
2: But maybe in 50 years, (laughs) maybe in 50 years, you know, Schwartzel having won, won the first live event. Maybe it's a big thing. Who knows?
1: Yeah. I would agree with that.
2: Maybe it does have meaning then,
1: but yeah, that's true
4: you got to look they've given four guys what like half a half a billion and if they and if they were going to give tiger yeah. as much as that's rumored plus these other things that they're they're doing and all this money they're throwing around how how's that business model work when you're like 2 billion out per year for 50 years at what point do they say yeah I'm tired of this because it, they're not making money and so um no. I'm just kind of I'm curious as how that lasts 50 years
1: it's not like formula 1 or Premier League soccer where you're selling you know 600 million in merchandise every year like there's no I don't I haven't like you said I haven't quite figured out where the return on the
2: investment is because but are they looking for a return I don't know I don't see it maybe they're I mean are they just trying to ruffle feathers and get in the PGA tour's head and just create a problem just to be hey look at me look what I'm doing type thing I don't know I mean just putting that out there
0: It doesn't seem to be profit-driven. I don't know if it's public. I think it's
4: fear-based in a way, almost all of it. Um, Like a project in my personal life I'm working on is a book, but it's called Play Your Game. But it's uh, about like almost every social situation in our lives is driven by fear. And so the Saudi, in my opinion, they're trying to um, improve their reputation through positive things that's what the sports washing argument is i don't know if i 100% agree with that term but the fact that they're not even aiming for profitability or a business model um, is a little bit concerning for me um and there's no seems to be no plans for like these three guys that they're going to get removed well there's no plan for them i i like to think that they're uh you know concerned and then the fact that they don't want to work with the D, with the dp and pga tour Kind of tells me that it's more of a vendetta type thing, or more of a, hey, we're we're just here to be the best, and we don't care what it costs.
0: Very adversarial. It's
4: interesting. I think yeah, the DJ's were kicking themselves though that they didn't come up with some sort of team format, and they didn't some sort of upfront pay to the players. It wouldn't be hard, I don't think, to come up with a model that pays guys ten grand just for getting in the field or something.
1: No, I, and I think you know that's some of the players have complained about like. You know, if they go travel to somewhere and play in an event, the entry fee, the hotel, caddy, travel—all that—it's got a big check, you know, a big price tag. And if you don't make the cut, like you can go play the Sunday series pro am, but that pays two grand. Like that's not even to cover your airfare or hotel. So, I mean, they need to look at supporting these players to get out there and figuring out a better way to make them financially stable for being a tour player. Sounds a little bit like the NCAA. It does. I mean, the PGA is using these guys' as marketing. They're using, you know, these guys that people don't know a lot about, like, you know, Max McGreevy and those guys. People come watch them because they know them from college or they know who they are. They're spending money to come out there and watch, but he doesn't make the cut. He's not getting anything back out of that deal. So they definitely need to do something to, to make it more player incentive to where... You're not trying to decide on should I go to Europe? Should I stay here? Should I go to the web? Like, give them something just for making it. Like, Q School is expensive. They need to do something about that. They need to have payouts, like big payouts for that. They need to make, you know, big payouts for just getting on tour. The guys that get their web card, they need to get, you know, a million bucks. That'll set them up for the year to be able to play. If they don't make a cut, then they'll go back down to the web. But, you know, give them something.
4: I agree. That there's hundreds of players that have played the PJ tour and lost money. What other professional sport have people lost money unless they're being reckless with it, right? They literally went yeah. and showed up every yeah. week
0: mm-hmm. and
4: they paid on their own dime because they are independent contractors. They so they are, but you know, just for being out the caddy alone, um, and then the hotels and expenses and, and whatnot. Uh you pay, they're paying their own training, everything like that. There's not a team or a franchise. And there doesn't need to be because there's so much control your own destiny and there's endorsements that you can sign. Whereas like, you know, Dak Prescott can't get, you know, um, like Conoco put on his hat, his helmet or something. Right. Uh, So they have to make plenty of money using their uh, likeness. But they have to fix that problem. There's no way that it's that hard to get out there. You're one of the 125 with cards. And you could potentially go lose a hundred grand if you, you know, like had a mental issue or an injury. Like that doesn't make sense. Yeah. So, and yeah, they got to fix that. And I think they know that.
0: Yeah. This will light a fire, I think, in some real innovation in the PGA in the
2: coming months and years possibly. Well, so, I mean, before, before we move on to anything, like I have a, I have a question, something that I want to, something we got a reply on Twitter from before um, From uh, at at Mike Juniak twelve, he said uh, a topic like what's going to be the reception from the crowds like for the live guys at the Open at the U.S. Open this week? Like, what do you think? Like, it's going to be the overall.
1: They showed a lot of
2: uh, you know, coverage
1: of some of these guys like maybe trying to catch them in a bad situation. They're they're signing autographs, they're waving at people. Like, people are still people still want to see Phil, people still want to see Bryson, they still want to see these guys like. They're fans of the guy, not so much the situation, I guess. Like, how many Tiger fans are out there and dealt, you know, like didn't turn their back on him being a fan whenever he went through all his stuff? So it's kind of the same thing.
2: Yeah. I don't think there's been enough of the live tour yet, right? For people to have a real opinion on it yet. And I think that because they're fans of those specific players, they're still going to support them at the US Open, right? Because. It's what they've always done. If you're asking if I'm betting on Taylor Gooch, the answer is yes.
4: <laughs> I think the whole golf community needs to live by the motto, don't hate the player, hate the game, right? Like, hate the scenario that's been created by the big entities.
0: Why don't you put yourself in their spikes? Right. The PGA Tour did so much for these guys.
4: Can't believe they're doing that, whatever. It's like... Phil Mickelson has done so much for golf, it's not even funny. So, like, let's get off his back a little bit, too. And there's all sorts of ways you can paint him bad. Um, But I think those players, you don't know what's going on in their life or what their plans are or what they're going through, whether it's mentally or whatever. Maybe some of those guys want just five more years, and then they want to focus on other impact. And so that quick $10 they think they can make versus the hard $10 the other way, um, I don't know. I hope we – start understanding that as a group, you know, of like
2: the golf nation, if you will. Yeah. We forget that these guys are still people too, you know? Right. And if we went, at, yeah. at least a lot of people do.
4: Let's boo Patrick Reed cause he's cheated, not cause he joined Liv, right?
1: <laughs> 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 oh, P. Reed is a guaranteed lock every week on this show. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm a P. Reed. I, I mean, I get it. He's been through a lot, and people don't like him, but the guy cashes every week, Patrick so Reed, we got to
0: get off of he him. He may be a he jerk. He is your boy. He may be a <laughs> cheater, but one thing he is not is... He's a top 20 specialist. <laughs> yep.
4: If you're hosting a tournament and you've got the best player in the world, he's got to be included
0: every time. Look, Patrick Reed yeah. is putting gas in my tank right now. He's good with me, Period. <laughs> <laughs> period. <laughs>
3: I got a question for the smarter guys in the room. Can I ask that? So today, Brooks Kepka had an interesting interview, and he said something that I didn't know was true. He says, I make my own schedule. I can play in as little events as I want is is that true because I felt like he's a major it was winner. a huge part, right? So can you kind of explain what if if that's true and what he meant by that because to me, I was surprised and I thought I thought he had to play almost all the events
1: now he can play. I mean, he's qualified for the majors because of finishes and he can pick based on world rankings. Like if he's ranked so high, he has priority in these tournaments when he signs up. So I guess he just plays enough to get far enough in the FedEx cup to where he has enough points. Then after that, he can do whatever he wants. What I looked at it. So the PGA tour really
3: isn't that punitive
1: unless you're a lower guy. There
3: is a rule you have to play. I think it's either
4: 12 or 15 events. And then if you there but there is different levels of status. For example, Tiger, but I don't know how th- there's all sorts of different stipulations, whether it's medical or lifetime member or lifetime exemption, whatever, that guys like Tiger have made it. And Kepka might be there too, or they can just play four or six, you know. That that's why a guy like um uh you know, I'm trying to think of an example, but Steve Stricker maybe would only play two PGA tour events this year or something. Um And so, yeah, or Tiger can just play the majors plus his tournament plus three more or whatever it is and be under that. But you do have to play, I believe, 12 or 15 schedule and then or you get some sort of fine or or kickback or you have to come up with a reason for it. And I think they're allowed events that are not sanctioned by the PGA Tour also, which I think is something that the players are arguing a little bit. Like, why can't at least three of these be live events be part of that? Because that's why they go play the Scottish Open the week before the PG or the British, the the Saudi Invitational, um, you know the Australian Open. There's different events that a lot of these guys go play, and they're allowed to play certain sanctioned events outside. And so I don't know where the gray area is there.
1: Yeah, like I think once you get to lifetime membership, which is what 21s, then you pretty much can't get kicked off. You can play in whatever you want to play in, as little or as much as you want to play. So. I don't, Kepka's not that status yet, but.
4: So maybe when he says select my own schedule, he just can pick any 15 events. If he wants to play them all in a row and then sit out for the whole year, he can or or whatever, you know. And I think he can still play less as long as he's qualifying to keep his card. He just, there's some sort of repercussion, but I'm not uh, sure what it is.
0: Well, are we ready to get officially into the U.S. Open and who's going to win this thing, boys? Let's start with top 20s. Uh, Smitty, what kind of golfer, what kind of player are we looking for here to finish top 20? And
2: uh, do you have a list of guys you like? I mean, for someone to be successful, I think this weekend, uh, you know, it's going to be guys that are not. I mean, you're you're not you're not really looking to take take many risks. I don't think this week you're looking to, you know, looking at guys that are going to be really good, good with their irons and their approach shots, you know, because there's a lot of obstacles in their way, you know, with very, very heavily guarded. Green's and some blind shots on their approaches and everything as well. And um, I just, it's going to take a guy who's going to have, going to have some accuracy again, you know, and, but uh, for top 20s, you know, I'm just jumping into it right away here is you got to go with, uh, I like Mr. Mr. 60, Justin Rose. I like him at at plus 210. I think that he's going to play pretty well. Like I said last week, you know, he's a guy that has been, slowly making his way back right and kind of he he hasn't been playing a ton right and he's been well rested and he's he proved that he's still got some left in the tank and i think that he's gonna have some carry over here and continue to play well um i have him in my top 20 there at, at plus 210 and you guys know that i really like Corey Connors I do have uh, Corey Connors again in my top 20 um, sitting at plus 190 this is another guy who just who's he's had some he's had success here too okay um you know um, in 2013. Um, with the amateur and stuff, he, he played, he was, uh, what was he, the semifinalist, right? You know, there's some, there's some history there and stuff. So he, I think, I think he's going to play well again. And, you know, a guy that's interesting that I have r- written down too, a guy whose odds have actually gotten worse as the week has gone, gone on is, uh, Sunjay M. He's only at plus 150, but I wanted to throw that. He was, he was a little bit heavier earlier in the week. Then I have, uh, I have Aaron Wise plus 300, like that. I don't. I'm not as crazy going into some of these. I know that that uh, that Adam will be. I know he, he. I can always count on him for getting those long shots, and those are some good ones. So I always let him. I let him take care of that kind of stuff. So, um, but I like. I have Scott Stallings as my fifth guy. Um, he's a local guy. I think he's he's from like an hour down uh, down the road from there. He's at plus nine hundred. Um, top twenty. That's a long Just, shot. <clears throat> yeah, that's a long shot for me, especially man. That's a long <laughs> shot. I don't really ever get too far over over that uh, plus 500 thing there. But, um, you know, and then I do have a bonus guy just because he kind of always gets in the mix um when there's drama, man. I feel like Phil plus 600 is not a bad shot. Yeah, why not? A little motivation. Yeah, what the hell? Yeah. It's his birthday. Okay.
0: And it's Father's there Day. There we go. That's all the narrative I need.
2: And it's the U.S. Open. And it's the U.S. Open, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so... Yeah. I feel like I had to throw Phil in there just, to, just as a little bit of a. I mean, he's by plus six hundred, but you know that's that's some pretty solid for him to get top twenty. I mean, he's still a great player, can be anyways. Yeah, he didn't putt
1: well last week. I don't think, but I mm-hmm. mean, doesn't take him long to get those kinks worked out, right?
0: Long as we don't have a Shinnecock deal. I was going to assign the course overview to you, Smitty, but you had a you had a long day today, so we divvied up the labor.
2: I bet Adam knows the course pretty well.
0: Adam did the research. I believe it was built in
1: 1882. They hosted the 88 open Curtis strange won that the other two were like in the forties and forties or fifties. And then obviously the 1913 with Francis, we met winning, which is a great movie. If you haven't watched it, the greatest game ever played. I just watched it on Monday. Cause it was like getting jacked up for the open. So who,
4: who won the US in 2013?
1: That was a uh, Fitzpatrick, Matthew Fitzpatrick there was a lot of guys in that. I think JT played that year. Um, but yeah, they've, this is their 17th USGA major that they've hosted as far as like AMS and women's opens, everything. Uh, Gil Hans restored it in 09. So we're looking at another Gil Hans restore here. It looks
4: like it's playing really fast.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> it's got some crazy slope offs, which I guess are typical for a way it has always played, but they have three nines there, which I found interesting. It's, the Clyde, the Squirrel, and the Primrose. And they're playing 15 holes from the Clyde Squirrel, which is their main course, and then three holes from the Primrose. And then the 12th hole is going to be played for the first time since the 1913 Open in a major there. So it'll be cool. Um, 72, 64 yards, par 70. Uh, looks like they've got a couple par fours that are over 500, but they've also got a bunch of short par fours. Um, there was one I, I just found. Oh, this thing used to be like a racetrack when it built. Like it had a horse track there, so they showed a video of when Palmer played in the open there, and he had to hit a shot, and it they ta- commented about hitting over the racetrack, which I thought was pretty cool. It was just like a old old school social club that they built a golf course started with six holes and then expanded from there. So pretty cool spot. I mean, a lot of history as far as, like, getting American golf started. Um, but, yeah, with that 1913 Open Francis we met winning, who worked there and basically lived across the street, had the 17th hole in view from his home window. So it's a pretty cool, like, just spot in general.
2: it. And there were some pretty big names who played in that 2013 one. You know, yeah. In the U.S. Amateur, man. There's, like, because it was, it was Fitzpatrick, obviously, and then Connors, and then... Did Sheffler play in it as well, and so did, yeah. and then JT, like, I mean, those are all the names that are up at the top of the leaderboard every week almost now, so.
1: Fitzpatrick B. I did, s- Oliver Goss, I think it was. Is that right? Yeah. Goss,
2: yeah. Yeah.
1: I did see that one of their highlights on their, one of their pages was that Tom Brady's a member there. I don't know <laughs> if that's, like, a big thing. If you're in that
2: area, it's probably,
1: like, oh, Tom Brady's a member here. It's, like.
2: He's probably an honorary member everywhere in Massachusetts, I would think
1: and probably Tampa Bay too. <laughs>
0: yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. Adam, what do you got on that list over there? I'm sure you got some uh some 30 to 1s somewhat
1: safe this week just because watching it, looking at the course, I thought, man, this is like a it's going to be a very low scoring open, which that, you know, tends to fit only certain guys. It's not a 20 under open. Um it's not a super bombers paradise like Aaron so uh, I had Brooks at one, plus one 150, and then I had uh, Matsuyama at plus 150, Taylor Gooch at plus 250, Kevin Kisner, who I just feel like this is his style of course. It's kind of got that slopey greens, fast stuff, not too long, c- could fit him at plus 700. And then in my lock top 20 that I have every time is P. Reed at plus 300. The guy pays off every time I put him in the top 20.
0: Then he jumps ship. I was about... Where is... I'm trying to find... I was reading a little bit about this course, and I've seen that all three of the Opens played here have finished in a playoff. So I'm trying to find the odds on a playoff. It's a
1: a three-player playoff is plus 1,100. Four or more, 5,500. There was no... Well, with just... Is there a playoffs plus 300?
0: Oh, well... That's what we're doing. So, Taylor Gooch and playoff. Let's lock those in. Um, Taylor, what do you, uh, you think is going to happen here with the U.S. Open? Who do you like? Who might, uh, who might finish in the top ten? So, I would say it's going to be playing fast. And obviously, U.S. Open, you always
4: got to have a pretty sharp short game and be very um, strategic around the greens where you leave the ball. Mm-hmm. So, I would say, um, one, I, I would pick Fitzpatrick because he's already won there. Uh, so that would that'd be one. What's his odds?
2: Outright plus 3,000.
4: About 30 mm-hmm. to 1? He's the only guy on earth that's won there uh, at a USGA event, right? I've got to pick him. Um, and he's a lot better. the only than one alive. 13. So um, I pick, I pick Cameron Smith. I think his creativity around the greens is pretty good, plus he's, he's a world beater now, so I think he can handle the majors. Uh, and I think he's due. And then... Sam Burns has won in some tough tracks. And so I feel in this you season, he's been right there. He just played good this week, too. I'd put I'd put him up there. Kurt Kitayama, I would pick him. He's been playing very sneaky. I think he's got the game to do it. He's just a great putter. And then I would pick uh my Dark Horse uh, is a good friend of mine, and he used to wear Servant Turf all the time. Um Brady Calkins. He's won more times in the last Five years than probably anyone uh, on earth, I would say all mini tour events, but he's—I bet he's won ten or fifteen times on the uh, Dakota and Golden State. I know that seems small, but it's hard to win in pro, pro golf. And so he's got—he's got his uh, first birth in a major, and I think that he just has the confidence to do it, and he always seems to show up. So that's my dark
0: horse, Brady Calkins. Ooh, I feel like I'm going to get some great yeah, odds probably. on Brady. Yeah, you will.
3: <laughs> I like. You guys that. Are like
0: who? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if
1: you look at the way the odds are on DraftKings, it's he's at he's at plus eighty thousand. Yeah.
0: Oh, so we're retiring.
1: <laughs> yeah, if you look at the odds, Vegas doesn't even know who's going to win because usually the the outright winners are way lower odds than the top tens, and like the top tens are way lower than the wins. So it's clearly nobody knows who's going to win because I don't know if it's because we haven't been back to the spot since you know the Brookline Ryder Cup was the last time they were here so
2: I don't know. When I think that there's there are just so many golfers playing really really well right now when you get a big event like this and they're all there it's like oh my like you know Adam you were saying earlier in the week it's like wow look at these odds on some of these guys you know like it's it looks really good I had a really tough time actually coming up with my five picks for each, for each, um, section, because there's just so many guys playing golf really well right now. And it's like, how do I pick against those guys? You know? So you really have to do your homework. I think.
1: Yeah. I think I had like 15 or 20 guys wrote down. That was like, I did too. This guys playing good. This guy's been trending. Like, you know, we said the last three weeks that Rose was trending and then all of a sudden he shoots 60 and it's like, well, I guess we were headed in the right direction there.
0: And then you'll have guys who haven't done anything for six or eight weeks who an event like the U.S. Open gets the blood flow, and they show up and all yeah, of a sudden I'd play Billy well. Yeah, I picked Billy
1: Marshall the week before he won to win, and then he wins the next week, and it's like, oh, thanks, buddy. But, yeah, I just knew he was trending, and it, I was just a little bit off late on his
0: peak there. Should we get into the tens? Are we ready to get into top tens, you guys? Yeah. Great minds thinking alike. I love it. Adam, why don't you go first with the top tens? I've got a... Uh Scotty Scheffler at 160. And then...
1: That train is never late. I've got Billy Horschel at 450. And then I did slide Patrick Reed up in there at plus 800. Just I feel like he's he's been getting there lately. And uh, he just has like a couple of putts that don't drop that would easily get him in there. And then
2: Wyndham Clark at plus
1: 2200.
2: I'm glad you noticed you you, he's not on my list, but I'm glad you put him on yours. he's
1: just been playing pretty good and trending and like, you know, last week he played good. And then mm-hmm. uh, Harold Varner at plus 500, I thought that was pretty low for him because he's been playing good. And I just feel like, man, that dude is like so close to getting it. And I feel like he's going to get his first win at a major and not a small event because he puts himself in position. He plays fairly safe. It's not a deep scoring course. So
0: I, I think he might have a good chance. I'm so emotionally
2: damaged from the last time he let me down. He does wear great, he wears great golf shoes. He's going to have some stellar shoes this week, I guarantee. What was he wearing on Sunday? He was wearing the the Jordan 12s, I think, on Sunday. I was like, I want those. Smitty, what do you think about the top 10s? So I have uh, have Justin Rose at plus 500. I think he's going to continue to play well again. It's been a mainstay at plus money golf lately. We're loyal fans. Yeah. Let's get him on too. Mm-hmm. I have a uh, top ten. I have Xander Schauffele at, at plus one ninety. Um, I put I got Fitzpatrick at plus three hundred. Um, at some point, at some point, you know, I mean, he's been playing well too, or whatever. But you know, I think he's um, Shane Lowry plus three thirty. You've been on him for a few weeks now. Those are good odds for Lowry. I think he's more likely to win the Open Championship than the U.S. Open, but like at the same time, I mean. I, I just feel like he he his time is coming soon um and i do have uh i do have sunjay m um at plus 350 there as well uh, he's a guy that's just kind of been popping around like the things i've been looking at too is just a guy that you know he's gonna play well a course like this and um you know uh, another guy that uh kind of has it has been kind of I wouldn't call him up and down because he's playing well or whatever, but I mean, I have Max Holme at plus plus four hundred as a as a bonus guy there, um, somebody that I think that could sneak definitely sneak in the top ten if he's, you know, being consistent enough on uh, throughout the, throughout the day.
1: Yeah, I kind of had him down on my list too, and I was trying to figure out where to put him, and I was like, man, he's been playing good too. I th- mm-hmm. like a top twenty, maybe if you're looking for a safe top forty bet to kind of like yeah. hedge it a little bit, yeah.
0: I don't think he's on Pardon in my take this week, so you're probably okay to bet on Max Homer. <laughs> I feel <laughs> so like the see. curse is when they say, oh,
1: this is my favorite course, or I love this course. Then it's like, ah, uh, we'll just go ahead and scratch that guy, because it hasn't worked the last
0: few events. No, it definitely has not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that one gets me. That one and local knowledge, like, oh, this guy lives down the street. This guy went to college right down the street. That gets me. That gets me a lot, too. Um, We got your top tens. Do we want to get into winners? We're at Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Taylor, you want to give us some top ten picks?
4: Well, so I didn't know the uh, first one I was picking was top twenty. I changed everything.
1: No, oh no, you can pick some outright winners if you want. Yeah, you can go right to the outrights if you want.
4: Tears or something. So you went what is it like the top thirty? Like, how does it work?
1: Uh we just pick who we think's hot or who we think's trending for winners. It's the winner bets are kind of just like I hope they hit. Like when you roll, play roulette and you're placing a number bet, the top 10s are 20s. It's harder than I thought
0: to pick a winner for a golf tournament. I just.
4: So that that first
0: five I picked. I just asked Adam the first couple times.
4: The, I'll count that for my top 20. I think those five will play good. Uh, you know, I love Brady to death, but he probably doesn't have a US Open win on his first try in him. Uh, that's kind of hard. But I, I bet he'll sneak up on some leaderboard.
0: Oh, that's all he needed right there. Motivation. <laughs> i'm doubling
4: my bet now i'll be rooting for him for sure but uh yeah so that that'll be my top 20 and then um i mean rory has got to be it right for, as far as winner what's his odds who has the best odds he's the Plus favorite thousand yep. rory rory yep. 10 to 1 so like i think him that's the best odds um man some guys are good short games man this, you gotta lean towards
1: I mean, Fitzpatrick has like the best short game Taylor stats Gooch, on tour. Eighty to one. Yeah, yes, so
4: my guys that I picked at the start; those were all short game guys. So some other guys with great short games. I, I would look like Taylor Montgomery is the best putter that I've ever met. Um, and so I think with how fast the course is going, um, he if he can just keep it in play, you know his ball striking is not as strong as some of those guys, and um, but his putting is way above the tour average. Um, in my opinion, he just needs a chance. So he'd be he'd be a dark horse, I think. Um, especially U.S. Open is known for surprise winners, I guess. Um, so I could see him doing it just because of how well he puts, and he's uh, he's learned how to win and learned how to you know play under pressure on the Corn Ferry Tour. Um, Brian Harmon, but I don't know that he could win, uh, but he he'd be pretty strong. Yeah, you, get, you can't go Cam, – Cameron Smith is, I think, about as good as it gets when it comes to short game in the whole major package, or, or Abe answer.
1: Abe. We've picked him a few times on here. Mm-hmm. I mean, like you were saying, I think if you get a good putter, like this is the only spot where we've actually had a fairy tale like amateur wins the open type situation where you could be – you might have some guy that like, mun- like made it through the qualifiers and then ends up – winning the thing, like out of nowhere, this could be the first time they were talking on Tuesday about how this place has like storied endings and like the 17th hole is pivotal for like, you know, Francis, we met birdie that hole to get in the playoff Palmer bogeyed that hole to lose out, like just different quirky things that happen. Like, but you know, if the guy won here in 1913, like as an amateur, like why couldn't we have another Cinderella story, which would probably break Vegas if they listen to this and put 10 bucks on, you know, some of these dark horse picks and it's like, "Oh yeah, we were the first ones."
4: For sure. That's where Brady, I, I think a guy like Brady or Taylor Montgomery could could do it. What about Pereira?
0: Amazing to hit a hit a nice 800 to 1.
1: I'm
4: rooting for Pereira.
1: He wasn't even on our radar that week.
4: Yeah, I I hated man, that was so hard to watch. It uh, Michael Marzi plays cornbread Dury. We were watching it, and we just we were hurting, man. Like, God.
0: Yeah, for you, I, that's got to be tough. As you know, for you as a spectator to be sitting there on the couch watching the watching the wheels come off.
4: Different, I think. You know, Adams from Oklahoma. Well, I've just played Southern Hills so many times. 18 is so hard um, out there. And so like in the defense, uh, a lot of times by the green. And so you could just tell that was the most, I hate to quote like club program guy or whatever, but that was the most anti-right swing I've ever seen. <laughs> and, so, and he still had a right. I felt for him so bad.
1: It's just like a hard, yeah, it's just like a visually intimidating hole to me. 18 is like when you see it, you're like, man, i got to fit it up there. Like that's tough.
4: Well, you got to hit it straight, leave it in the right spot. You got to hit it kind of far. You can't, like, people are like, why didn't he hit a less club? Was well, still straight uphill, second shot, over 200 yard. I mean, it's like, okay, you're going to hit it 220 off the tee. You got 250 in or whatever. Um,
1: yeah, and then he, you know, catches a flyer, and he's 20 yards long, and he's out of play.
4: Yeah, and if you miss that green in the wrong spot, exactly. You're 20 yards longer uh, yeah. over the green, You good chance. Your next shot's played from the fairway.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
4: that, that that hurts a lot. That was like the law of attraction. Like he was like, do not go right. And went right.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: We don't have Adams winners yet? Well,
1: I went safe at some point because I was like, the odds were so high for everybody that I was like, I mean, anybody could win this thing looking at it. So then I started looking at players that are trending, players that I feel like are right there, guys that obviously play well on opens where there's low, low scoring. So I went with Rory at plus a thousand just cause he looks like he's got his wedge game figured out. Um, and then Rom, um, at plus 1200 cause he leads the tour in almost every statistically putting right now, uh, JT, just cause I feel like he is still a little burnt from last week getting beat by Rory. And he, you know, just looked like, man, he was like so close. And he just had that look like, oh, I'm going to get him back this week. And, and he's he like that
2: too. Yeah.
1: And then Tony Finau at plus 3,500, like have kind of been on him, his bandwagon lately, just because I feel like he's trending and he could, he could pull through. And then the odds were too good for the next two, like Justin Rose at plus 6,500 and Kepka at plus 4,000 just because Kepka plays well in these low scoring kind of classic courses. He's long enough with iron, he doesn't need to pump driver if he doesn't have to, which he's horrible with. So I think, unless he gets the driver figured out, he could get away with like, like you said, like a driving iron on the range today, like 250. So you could dink it around that course and as good a short game. And on these low score courses, I think. He's got a good chance too, so we'll see. Post wedding, you never know; he might be fresh, he might be drained of all his energy. Who knows?
0: Yep, yep. You get a new baby, you get a wedding, and and yeah. you're gonna get one of the
2: two. Very good, very bad performance, probably. Smitty, what did you think of Adam's list? A couple common names here. I have, uh, I do have, yeah. Again, like I have Rory and JT on there. That w- that was great entertainment this last week, and I think that it's again it's gonna flood over into um, this next week here as well. I have Shane Lowry at plus thirty five hundred. Yes, Lowry, and then um, I have uh, I have Matthew Fitzpatrick at plus three thousand. Short game, short game, you know, artist man. He's uh, he's you need somebody that's going to be really great with their approach shots and going to be really good around the greens and can putt and stuff. And I think that he's a good guy um, there. And I think I thought it was going to be this last week. I really did. I thought he was going to win um, the Canadian Open. He came out playing really well, and then. I don't know what he was going on with him to finish rounds last weekend but he really screwed himself the last two rounds at, towards the end the last few holes I mean he just fell apart but I don't yeah, I don't know but I think hopefully um you know he he learns from that and he comes out strong this whole entire weekend um and then uh you know a guy that I mentioned in my top 10 okay you know just looking at the last 5 years here of his um u.s opens records uh 2021 t7 2020 um he was fifth 2019 t3 um 2018 t6 2017 uh t5 um is uh Xander schauffele at plus 1600 man this guy loves the u.s open man and i think he's going to continue to play really well here um you know I, i i like him a lot um I liked another guy, you know, as a sixth, you know, just like Adam had six too, as uh, another guy I liked there was, um, was Justin Rose just because, I mean, look at those odds. My God, like how do you not throw something on that at plus 6,500? The dude just shot a 60 in his last 18 holes that he played. How do you not throw something on him moving forward? Um, I will say that, like, about the, the Rory and the JT thing, I mean, there, there's a good chance, like, you know, if you don't, if you don't love those odds, To start with, I mean, there's a good chance at some point early on in the weekend you might get better odds live. So, I mean, taking a look at that stuff, I think is really important to make sure that you're you're checking that out um, because there's going to be some unknown dudes in the first round that, like we talk about all the time, right? That are going to play well out of their minds because you know, and then all of a sudden these studs who are going to be consistent the whole weekend, their odds are going to are going to sharpen for us and stuff too. But one guy I wanted to throw out there that I just complete fade on um is Victor Hovland um dude's been trash around the greens as of late and if you're gonna be bad around the greens at this course um good night so I I just wanted to throw that out I was looking at some of that stuff and how bad he's been what's he at like plus 10,000 I wrote it down I don't
1: know where I wrote it down apparently but yeah he's uh yeah I liked Justin Rose honestly just because I mean he won a Marion in the open like he plays these classic courses so well. I mean, that course that course in Canada was like, to me, visually looked like a classic course. This looks like a classic. I mean, he just plays well in those courses, so
0: I like it. I like everything about it. Chris has got a whole page over there full of winners. We got, uh, <clears throat> before we get to the wrap-up portion of the show, Taylor, I wanted to give you a few minutes to just talk about your company and what you've been doing and... How long it's been around? That's uh, kind of our whole deal is to be
4: inclusive. So we want something that can be worn on and off the course. But most of all, something that um, invites non-golfers to to the game, I guess, not just uh, from a lifestyle standpoint, but something to wear and something to be a part of from a community. And so we want to kind of use our influence or background uh, as – you know, lifelong, I guess, ambassadors of the game. If you will through our careers and things that of the the founding group that started it to invite others to be a part of golf, but also to take golf's values and um, into other parts of our life lifestyle. So, we started five years ago as a social club. Actually, that's where our community part comes in. Um, so we're an actual. USGA or Gen uh, social like Golf Club. We just don't have a golf course. So you can be a member. You can have a handicap through us. Uh, we have events. We have... Yeah, We nice. uh, that's how we started um, through the Southern California Golf Association. Now we have a second chapter in Minnesota, which is um, that don't know us. I think that's kind of weird, but we started in SoCal. We've got a couple founders in Minnesota. We're based in Texas. Uh, so Texas and Oklahoma will kind of probably be next and then Florida for our chapters, but we just kind of thought that those first two were the right places to go um and yeah we have got some big things coming up we just concluded our partnership with conference usa the last couple of years and now we're progressing towards some new partnerships some new things we still sponsor um, all the sections we had one every year so this year we had the south central pga section yeah some big things coming we're going to go full fashion forward in the next uh, 18 months and so yeah look out for some new some new swag
0: Wow, partnership with Conference USA. Ever heard of it? You know what I'm hearing here, Chris. I'm hearing a grassroots movement that's not just the product, but it's also a community around the product. This is this is great. This is a marriage made in heaven. You're gonna you're gonna have to be a recurring guest on Plus Money Golf. This has been awesome. Yeah, I'm
2: pretty. That's pretty much what started this whole thing, right?
0: Yep, John. Did you uh, did you have fun hanging out with the golf podcast? Yeah, I've got some notes. Oh, oh, please share.
3: <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no, it's notes from you guys that I've been taking that uh, I will probably shamelessly plug as my own within my own social
0: circle. So that's what I. That's what I do, man. No, I, that's what I do.
3: In all, in all seriousness, it's it's good to sit in and listen to guys who who actually know golf because I think in the golf community, it's it's really easy to to rub shoulders with people who, who think they know a lot and, and, and aren't as close to the game as you guys. So I, I appreciate listening and, and learning from you guys and uh, appreciate you taking some of my amateur questions. Appreciate
4: you guys having me on. Yeah. Yeah, thanks, thanks for, for coming on, on. man.
2: It's, that's, it's awesome that you came on.
4: You gotta send me the rules on the pick five. I'll keep loaded next time.
2: Okay.
0: Yeah.
1: Sorry about that. No, you did. I did my best. We weren't sure how it was
0: gonna go. Yeah. Hey, we're nailing down the uh, organization ourselves. I think this is what, episode four, episode five, something like that. We're smoothing out the rough edges.
1: Yeah, and if you pick two guys that are like 80,000 to one and they end up winning like in a Cinderella story,
2: like... You might be taking our job.
1: Yeah. That's how we got this job.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You'll be a legend here forever. so we'll see how we do.
0: (laughs) Yep.
1: Chris will be back carrying bags at Aaron Hills instead of doing podcasts hey man i'm gonna be
0: there on friday so whatever (laughs) love it nothing left now but to cash the tickets thank you adam and smitty for all your hard work thank you taylor for stopping by thank you people for listening we truly do appreciate it if you like this show please consider giving us a five star review on apple google or whatever platform you're using it seriously helps it's not like a presidential vote that barely matters your reviews have a direct effect on how this show performs another thing you could do is tell one person hey i found this great golf show you should check it out that kind of thing does wonders for us as well make sure you follow our new buddy taylor on instagram at okcta23 And check out Surf & Turf Golf at Surf & Turf Club, all one word, course to coast for all your golf apparel needs. You can find Adam on the Twitter at ACMillerPGA. The PGA lets you know you're dealing with a legit golf guy. Smitty is on Twitter at CSmith8 with an F. You can follow this show at PSRGolf on Twitter and Plus Money Golf on Instagram, all one word. We got a Facebook group up and running now. Just search Plus Money Golf over there on Facebook and join the conversation as you heard we're winning money we're nothing but nothing but profitable over here all right best of luck with your bets this weekend we'll see you right back here next week for more plus money opportunities adam say something cool that golfers say got time for a quick bucket thanks for listening to plus money golf Make
3: sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. In the meantime, keep up with the show on
0: Facebook and Instagram at PlusMoneyGolf and on Twitter at PSR Golf. Until next time.